one of the surprising things was how powerful that insecurity came to the surface as soon as I quit my job. It was like, whoa, no one told me about like the the fear of God coursing through my veins of like, oh, you're you're an idiot. You're going to go broke. Your money is going down. But I I had no choice. Like I, I had to grapple with those feelings and they don't go away. Right. They can go away only because everyone in a job agrees not to talk about it. But on a path like this, they're always sort of like bubbling around the surface. But now I have a relationship with my fears and I understand them. I know when they're going to pop up. I know that they'll eventually dissipate. And I'm, it's just like, yeah, you're there. Okay. I'm Sean Delaney and you're listening to What Got You There. What Got You There is a must-follow for entrepreneurs, leaders, and people looking for high performance in business and in life. Now, each week, I sit down with one of the world's most successful people and focus on the journey behind their success. We uncover the strategy, mindsets, and habits that help them get there. Now, it's your journey, so it's time to learn what's going to get you there. And if you want access to over 300 episodes and insights with game changers and change makers, head to whatgotyouthere.com, where you can also subscribe to my Momentum Monday newsletter. Uh, what got you there? What got you? Got you? What got you there? What hey guys, it's Sean. And have you ever found yourself questioning if the path you're on in life is the right path? Is the one that's going to lead for a rich and fulfilling life for you? Well, if so, you are going to love today's podcast with Paul Millard, who is the author of the book The Pathless Path: Imagining a New Story for Work and Life. Now, one of the reasons I'm having Paul on is I had a number of people I work with who reached out and said, I read Paul's book. It was exceptional and has me questioning how I'm approaching and thinking about life, and I would love for you to have him on. So there were a number of people who wanted this conversation to take place, and it did. And I think this conversation is really going to leave you questioning things, opening up your eyes to different opportunities, different paths, and ways to explore if what you're doing is really the right thing for you. Now, we're not trying to be prescriptive at all here. All I hope this conversation does is open up your eyes, helps you become a bit more curious about what you're doing, what your deeper desires are, and what a fulfilling and rich life looks like for you. So please enjoy this podcast with Paul Millard. Are you drowning in busy work? Well, save your brain for the big stuff with the book, Automate Your Busy Work. Now, it was written by CEO and productivity expert, Idekin Tonk. Now, Automate Your Busy Work is a guide to minimizing tedious manual work and getting precious time back to accomplish your most important things. Now, the book comes out on May 16th, and you can pre-order the book today. All you have to do is go to automateyourbusywork.com. So if you're finally ready to say goodbye to manual work and save your brain for the big stuff, go to automateyourbusywork.com and pre-order the book now. Have you been looking for expert on-demand marketing assistance for your business? If so, then I think you're going to be interested in hearing about Marketer Hire. Now, Marketer Hire has made it easy to hire great marketers that are pre-vetted and hand-matched so you can get proven help with your business in less than a week. That's why it's trusted by big companies like Chanel, Netflix, and Puma, and also individual creators like myself. Whatever your marketing hire needs are, Marketer Hire has an expert waiting to help you with your project. It doesn't matter if you're looking to build out an entire team of marketers or just work with an expert marketer a few hours a week. Marketer Hire can handle your needs. And the best part? 
if you sign up using the link try.marketerhire.com forward slash WGYT, you get an automatic $500 credit to try out on your first hire. It's literally risk-free hiring and no downside with no long-term commitments and no cancellation fees. So go get your $500 credit today by going to try.marketerhire.com forward slash WGYT. Paul, welcome to What Got You There. How are you doing today? I'm doing good. Thanks for having me, Sean. I'm so excited to dive into this. And I'm hoping what this conversation does is doesn't try to convince listeners to pursue a certain way of life, but just to open them up to the idea that maybe there's another option. Maybe there's another path to explore, a way to go about this. And so I wanted to start around that just to shape the conversation a bit. But I would love to know if we were doing this conversation, call it six, seven years ago, how would you have defined success back then? And then what does success mean to you now? That's, man, that's such a good question. <laughs> I, I love questions like that because it makes me think and now I want to write about it. I feel like sometimes I'm not always the best verbally, but I think six, seven years ago, where was I? Six years ago, I was about to quit my job. Uh, seven years ago, I was, I think, at the beginning of like self-destructing my life. And I think my definition of success, I was looking around and I wasn't seeing it anywhere. I was surrounded by grown men who were complaining about how tired they were, yet making a million dollars a year. Um, I was surrounded by people that were not inspired creatively, were not creative people. And for me, it was just none of that. Right. I don't think I ever found a definition of success I was aiming for in the corporate world. I was just happening. I just happened to be there and kept moving from job to job, kind of searching for it. Um, I think now I have a much clearer definition of what matters to me, but I don't think I would have found it if I stayed in the corporate world. Uh, so, yeah, that's that's an interesting question. So then what matters to you now? For me, it's all about spending my time doing things that matter to me. And that sounds obvious and simple, but is actually rather hard to construct, right? And not to delude yourself about what you think matters, right? I think the thing about my previous path is that I was designing my life around work and I didn't realize that my entire identity because of that, even if I was not fully aligned with everything was as a worker in the world. Mm -hmm. When you're a worker in the world, designing your life around a full-time job, everything is downstream from that, right? The people you hang out with make similar incomes as you, uh, where you live is dependent on where you have to commute and where you have to live and where your job is. Right. Um, and I, I think you tell yourself, oh, I'm doing what I want to be doing. You have to tell yourself to continue that to continue living. But um, I didn't really know what I liked. Right. And I think part of my journey was I wanted to escape all that and I wanted to escape work. And it was a journey for me to move from wanting to escape work to actually finding work I want to do. So mm -hmm. for me now, writing is one of the vital things. It lights me up. I love it when I'm not doing it. I miss it. Uh, and it's so fun and rewarding and it's something I think I can do for the rest of my life. Now, can I make money from that? I'm not sure, but that's not even the goal. It's to design a life around being able to do things like that. 
I also just had a daughter. She's six weeks old tomorrow. Um, and it's very clear and obvious to me that that is one of the most important things in my life right now. I just want to spend time with her and like <laughs> dropping the ball on work stuff is very easy. You texted me before to see if I wanted to start earlier. I was like, I'm on baby duty. <laughs> And that's been my morning most mornings. Like I've been doing like the seven to 11 shift every morning just so like my wife can catch up on sleep. And it's like, this is, this is it. This is it. This is what I want to be doing with my life. I don't like, I can't conceive of having a job anymore and wanting to having to like go into an office or something. Can you expand on that? Even just the difference that that mindset of I'm going to have this job. I'm going to work to end date and then retire. And just that entire construct that we base so much of our lives on. Yeah, it's a model that worked remarkably well and created enormous prosperity for billions of people in the world, right? We had this industrial economy and office type work, which emerged after World War II, right? And it created tons of prosperity, middle-class jobs, and enabled people to live these pretty structured and predictable lives. Fantastic, right? Um, And for a long time, that was the only path. There weren't alternative paths. But what has happened now is the internet has changed everything. We just don't really have a story of how this is happening or how we should think about our lives now, right? So most people are still clinging to that default path script of you go to school, you work for all your adulthood, and you retire, right? But the internet, the digital economy has fractured that. And even the industrial economy, that script no longer even works, right? Everyone knows that any company will lay you off if they need to make profit, right? Lifetime employment doesn't exist. If you want to have a thriving career, everyone knows that you need to move from job to job to job, right? So what does this mean? We're living in a time without a clear story. We don't have a collective agreement about how you should structure your life anymore, right? So that that story and path worked remarkably well for many people. For some people, it still works remarkably well, right? And they hopefully they're opting into it. But as a collective story and the best way to structure your life, I'm not sure it works for everyone anymore. Hmm. Yeah, I, I want to go further there because that actually does work for some people. And in, in something in your book, you yeah. say, you say, I wish they knew what I know now. The longer we spend on a path that isn't ours, the longer it takes to move towards a path that is. So I would love for you to define the pathless path, which is the title of your book. Um, and we can expand further in terms of how do we find what our path is. Yeah, that's just a reflection to myself of saying you're, you're pretty dumb, (laughs) right? I, I spent a long time on a path deep down. I always fell off, right? And I am not talking to the people that have a job, like what they do and are like, I like this, right? They should not be reading my stuff. In fact, like, why are they reading my stuff? Quit it and go find stuff that inspires you. Don't listen to my podcast. Don't read my book. Like, go read stuff that inspires you, right? But I'm talking to the people, you're probably one of them, that had this underlying itch, which is like, there's got to be more. What the hell am I doing? Like, nobody around me actually seems to like what they do. It's all just like, well, what are you supposed to do? To me, I want to go deeper than that in life. 
right? So what happened is I spent 10 years on that path, right? 10 years after college. So counting college, 14 years. It took me a damn long time to like rebuild everything. Even like this is my, this will be my sixth year anniversary next month of quitting my job. It probably took four, four and a half years to look around and be like, oh, I kind of feel like I'm in a groove of like, (laughs) I'm going to make it or like I can keep going on this path. Like I knew very quickly, like I wanted to stay on this unconventional self-employed path, but I'm still like finding my footing every day. It's hard, right? And I see young people sometimes, like younger writers or creators, they do this right out of school. This uh, woman, Alice LeMay, um, wrote an essay on my newsletter recently. She just like, she had like one internship and she was like, hell no. And she created like a six-figure freelancing agency within a year of graduating college. Um, she had less baggage to unlearn. <laughs> She's just like, well, I'm just going to like figure stuff out. For me, it was like painful. It was so hard. My parents didn't really actively support me. Um, all my friends kind of went silent on me. Like maybe I triggered them and made them feel uncomfortable. I had to make like new friends. I went to a different part of the world. Um, I felt really lost and lonely and there was a certain mourning of my past identity too, like letting go. Like I liked part of being a successful consultant and doing hard work and uh, making more money. That felt good to me, Um, but it wasn't my path. And I had to let that go, right? And when you're making like 24 grand a year, you feel like a freaking fool. You feel like an idiot. It's like, well, I can't prove that I'm on the right path because the entire world thinks money is the goal. And when you give up money, they think you're a failure, right? So it's just so hard. So then how so, did you yeah, stay on that path? Right, call it your two, year my three. My current into, path? Yeah, 24 grand a year it, you're making and just all that self-doubt, the, the sense of connection, the support, it's all essentially it, crumbling around you. There wasn't self-doubt I'll go as further much at... It it was very clear to me about six months in, it was like, holy crap, the spaciousness of of this path. And then like the creative energy that was starting to seep into my life is very clear that I was willing to go broke to see to like continue to find out. Like I I loved the unknown. And I I've now realized I need uncertainty to feel more alive and excited. Because I'm a possibility thinker. I like thinking about possibilities. The corporate path is for people that want to avoid uncertainty, right? It basically like squashes that out of your life, gives you a predictable paycheck. And more or less, if you're in the knowledge economy, your job is pretty safe. Maybe you have to move company to company, but you're going to be fine if you have a certain set of like knowledge economy skills. Um, So... I I didn't care about going broke or making less money. Um, but the hard part was like, how am I going to rebuild my life? Like, And I think the number one thing I realized I should do is just make friends. So I spent a lot of time connecting with people, making internet friends, 
writing and connecting with the people that were reading my stuff, moving to locations where people that were aligned similarly were living in digital nomad hubs. Hey guys, it's Sean and I have some exciting news. We have a new sponsor of the show today and that's Caldera Lab. So it's time to say goodbye to the generic face wash on your counter because Caldera Lab is here to save the day when it comes to your skin. Now it's backed by a leading clinical trial where nine out of 10 men experienced healthier and visibly improved skin. Caldera Lab really does have the tools to unlock your best first impression and confidence. And if you're like me and you're constantly looking for high-performance men's skincare that's vetted by science, packed with nature's most pure and potent ingredients, then Caldera Lab is exactly what you're looking for. Now, that's why I've been using Caldera Lab's regimen twice a day. Now, this routine helps me cleanse my skin, moisturize it throughout the day, and then reduce the visibility of wrinkles and fine lines. Now, I heard about Caldera Lab from NFL Hall of Famer Tony Gonzalez. And after trying it, I actually reached out to Caldera Lab and I said, you guys need to come on the podcast as a sponsor because your stuff works. And I have an exclusive offer just for listening to the podcast so you can try it for yourself and find out why so many men trust Caldera Lab for their skincare needs. So just use code Delaney at calderalab.com for 20% off their best products. So just for listening to the podcast, you get 20% off today by using code Delaney. That's D-E-L-A-N-E-Y at calderalab.com. And I think meeting my wife was huge for me too, because she was asking very similar questions. She was leaving her job when I met her. And that, that was such a important thing for me because it gave me a foundation and like a home where like me and my wife now we continue to ask these questions and like it's I have her ultimate support and it's amazing walk me through a really challenging scenario where I'm wondering say your wife didn't think the way you think and it was it was now you've got a six month or six week old at home you're having a six figure plus job would you have made the same decision or how do you work with people who are in that spot? You know, family, kids, mortgage, high paying job, but they know it's not their path. I don't know. I don't know how to do it with family and kids. This is the hard thing, right? Once, once you realize you need to make a shift, this is what's so painful. This is why people deny this stuff is mm. because the conclusion might be that you have to blow up your life. I blew up my life. I torched the status I had from succeeding in the knowledge economy. I torched a future path of like basically guaranteed upper middle class wealth and like respect. Like I still don't get the respect and like appreciation on this path like i'm the weirdo in my broader family um but i've never faced that from my wife my wife like when i am struggling she is there to remind me of what matters to me and yeah i, I just think i'm extremely lucky to have her she she's always rem like i was feeling off tr like potentially working with these people um, on my book, I published a thread about this, about how I turned down a publishing offer. And she was the first to say, you feel off, you seem off after this call. And it was like, oh, okay. Like I shouldn't do this. Like <laughs> she sees me, she knows like what matters to me and how I want to live my life. During the m most challenging moments for you, what does a great partner look like in terms of how they support 
what else do they do? Because I'm sure we're all wondering how we can be a better partner, a better supporter of our loved ones. So I'm wondering what else stands out about what your wife has done for you during those most challenging moments. Yeah, she doesn't, she doesn't worry about money, uh, material success. I think both of us don't see our life as we are workers. We see our life as we are humans trying to chase beauty, love, uh, commitment, all these things. And ultimately she just reminds me that like none of, none of this work stuff matters. And I think I do the same for her. Um, we both just want to do things that we love and we're basically both willing to like go broke and live in not fancy environments to do that. And we want the same thing for our kids too. So yeah, it's hard. It's hard to like say there's no like roadmap. It's just like an energy, right? It's just like prioritizing love over like fears or anything like that. Um, it's go. just, yeah, I, I don't know how to bring that alive. No, I'm, I'm trying to, figure, I would love for you to go even further on your, your higher, yeah, this is good. your higher order things that you value, beauty, love, coming alive, that energy, mm. that feeling you're valuing yeah. them more than status money, even though it had to rip your life apart to get rid of the status, the money, all those things. You said, you know what? These things, this beauty, this love, this energy matters more to me. So I'm willing to lose all of that for those. Mm. Am I correct there? Yeah, definitely. It's uh, none of that stuff matters. It's it's all an illusion, right? We think like money is the goal of life. And this is a very American thing. We say, oh, having kids is so expensive. I don't know. People have been, been having kids in all different economies, all different points in history. Um, what people are usually saying when they're saying that is I want to send my kids to private school and I want to keep working in my career and I want to have a nanny and I want to work in the best neighborhood. That's really expensive, right? <laughs> but having kids is not expensive, right? We, we've just conceived life as this like material chase, right? When you strip everything away, like those aren't the most important things. I'm willing to go live in um, cheaper places to live. I'm willing to remix how we live our lives. And if we determine money is what we need to meet our goals, I'll go get a job. I don't care. <laughs> I think that that's one of the, th the things people grasp so hard to all of a sudden identifying a job or money as this thing that's so evil when they go towards a, a path like you're describing where you, you say, you know what, if that's the situation and that's what it calls for, for me to be able to experience beauty, love, energy, connection, all of those things, then, then I can still do that. And I did. I rejected money and status a little too hard that those first couple of years. Because to me, it was like that former path is evil, but it wasn't. It was just what it did to me. It wasn't the right environment for me. It works for some people but it destroys other people. If I stayed on that path 10 more years, I would have been a shitty human. Hmm. Not because of the path of the people around me, but just like it wasn't the right environment for me. It wasn't the right structure, right? And when I left, I just didn't want to create another job. And I was scared to create another job for myself by committing to things too early, by chasing money, by like listening overly to my 
financial insecurity, which was real. But like to me, I thought, what if I lean into living in a way that is not centered around work? What will happen? And it turns out what happens is that I start um, opening up. I start feeling lighter. I start feeling more creative. I feel called to like work on things for the sake of itself, right? Like writing, like creating things online, like doing my podcast, right? And you realize like you can, when we strip away like our jobs, jobs are not the only form of work. There are forms of work that are worth doing, taking care of our parents, taking care of a sick friend, taking care of our kids, right? These are things worth doing. These are still work too. Um, but they don't come with a paycheck. And I think one of the mistakes in modern society is that we boil down membership in society to, I do formal work for a formal paycheck, right? And that is the way we belong to society. That is the way we're a good person in society. It's bullshit, right? Taking care of your kids is one of the most noble things you can do, um, it's just that people feel bad for that because everyone else thinks everyone else is opting into, well, you got to make a paycheck. You talking about this, it, it makes me think of someone I know you're familiar with. You brought him up in your book is James Cars, uh, who I was lucky yeah. enough to have some conversations. He, he was a past guest before he passed away. Awesome. Uh, his book, Finite and Infinite Games. And you're essentially alluding to playing infinite games, doing things you love and you can't imagine not doing for the rest of your life as opposed to so many of us think about careers in terms of I'm going to retire at 65 because I just want to get out of this. And you're saying, no, let me figure out these things that I just love to do and want to do for infinity. And I think that, that that's a big shift for people. I think, I think I sound like a crazy person to some people because the thing I've realized is the state of being I can experience now is so magical, so fulfilling, and feels so life-affirming um, that speaking in these, these, this vague language, the infinite game, committing yourself, having faith, trusting the universe, it, so, it's so natural, and it feels so true in a deep, like, connected sense. But my former self couldn't imagine this state, right? Yeah. So the gap is... Like the question I want people to ask is like, how not how do I quit my job and create something that can support me financially? It's how do I get myself to sample that state of being, which people throughout history have talked about, right? All throughout history, all sorts of artistic, creative people, all sorts of people that loved what they do. They said, this, this is a different state. It matches closer to like an active leisure than like like this hustle grind energy right so the question is if that state exists how can i sample it how can i get a taste of it such that i might be curious about going deeper and chasing that go further there i love how you think about state of being where i feel like most people don't think about it this way um and i'm completely aligned with you thinking about when, when you touch on those deeper states of being, there's an energy that, like you said earlier in your life, you, you couldn't have imagined what that felt like. And once you feel that, you can't not unfeel that. And you go in yeah. search of more things like that. Um, but but I, but I want to help those people who are earlier on. And they're like, you know what? I did this thing and it, and it felt 
deeply rewarding and satisfying, but I can't make a life of this. I'm just wondering how you go in and test that a little bit more. What does that look like? Yeah, well, why the first question is, why is your brain producing that thought? Well, I can't make a living. Like, where does that come from, right? Interrogate that feeling. Why do you need to make a living? Why is that the first question? And then if that's the question, you're sort of supposing that you're a worker. Hmm. Ask yourself, are you a worker? And then you'll be like, hmm, maybe I'm not a worker. Then who are you? Right? And that's a question you can ponder for decades, I think. (laughs) If you're not a worker, then who are you? Right? And I got this question from Andrew Taggart, who was writing about this, and it blew my brain open. And it was like, that seems worth contemplating. Right? And then, given who you are, if you're not a worker, what sort of activities are sufficient to be that person in the world. One of the clear things right. here is is just your amount of self-awareness w- within this. In yeah, and it's it's a lifelong journey to ask these questions. And it might be dangerous to ask these questions because you might blow up your life. You might determine that you're not a marketing manager at tech company. What do you recommend to the people who ask the question and then realize what the answer is. And they're saying, you know what? Yeah, I might need to blow this up. Go for a walk. (laughs) No, this is really my advice. I'm laughing because I was coaching someone the other day and it was a scenario like this and that was literally the advice. It's like, let's go for a walk. Go, Go for a walk with for two hours without a destination. Like don't open Google Maps. Don't aim at a direction. Just notice yourself walking and see if see if your body can actually just keep going, right? Without in your head picking a destination that you have to arrive to by a certain amount of time. Don't look at your watch. Just wander. See where you're pulled. Take turns that you haven't taken before. Many people have never done this in their entire life. People have not left their home without a destination. Like just go wander, (laughs) right? And in that, you will start experiencing uncomfortable emotions. But in that uncomfortable emotion, there will also be like a seed of excitement. And if you feel that seed of excitement, it's going, there's going to be another question, which is what if, what if I follow the seed of excitement? Just start noticing that. And if that seed of excitement is starting to disappear, that is the thing you want to notice, right? So what I'm paying attention to on my path now is, am I still excited to continue on this path and keep finding out? And the answer has been a hard yes, especially for the past few years. I'm having so much fun. I'm doing it on my terms. And I'm doing the work that like lights me up and feels, I feel so fulfilled doing it. 
Hey guys, it's Sean, and we are about to dive right back into this episode, but before we do, I wanted to take less than a minute to tell you about my online personal development course called You Unleashed. Now, over the years, I've personally coached CEOs, executives, and professional athletes, and I've interviewed over 300 of the world's most successful people on this podcast, and my course, You Unleashed, compiles the most important routines, mindsets, and skills that you need to skyrocket the success in your own life. Now, you will learn these things over 19 video lectures that I'm going to teach you in this course, and you can find out more about the course by heading to whatgotyouthere.com forward slash you dash unleashed, or you can click the link below. Now, that's whatgotyouthere.com forward slash you dash unleashed. Right, and then the next step is go take a sabbatical from work. Take a one to three month sabbatical. Do this at any time in your adulthood. Think about this, 300 months, I don't know, three months in 40 years of work. What is 40 years of work? Like 500 months, right? 480 to 500 months in adulthood that we like work. We assume we're going to work, right? Take three months off. That sounds pretty easy when you think about it. Just do whatever the hell you need to do Take, have someone live in your house, live in your apartment. If you have an extra room, rent it out, like go live somewhere cheaper, like cut costs on things you're spending recklessly on. Just make it happen. Fight for those three months off because in that space, you might discover what you want to do for, for the rest of your life. And to me, that seems worth it. Um, and if that triggers you, like just turn the podcast off now. This isn't for you. Like, I don't want everyone to follow this. <laughs> yeah, I, I know immediately there's going to be people saying that's, a, that's an impossibility to, to do yeah. three months off. They but. shouldn't listen to my stuff. I am not for them. I am writing for the people that want to dream bigger, that want to go deeper, that want to ask these questions and want to dare to find the work that matters to them in life. That's it. Can you go further there on, I'm thinking about overriding the, the negative voice in our heads, right? Like those question marks when we're on that two hour walk and we're entering unknowns and uncertainty. And I'm just wondering what, what mindset or states of mind you've seen to be extremely helpful in helping override those negative voices that come up. Yeah. I would just ask, is the point of life to try and make those voices go away? If it is, make them go away. I don't care how you define how you want to live your life. But to me, they seemed interesting, right? And it's like, what if I can just sit with these emotions and not react to them, right? A lot of people in full-time employment have an underlying financial insecurity, right? I'm not saying it's a mistake for them to be in the corporate world. I'm saying that it often masks people being able to actually deal with their insecurity and scarcity, right? And one of the surprising things was how powerful that insecurity came to the surface as soon as I quit my job. It was like, whoa, no one told me about like the, the fear of God coursing through my veins of like, oh, you're, you're an idiot. You're going to go broke. Your money is going down. But I, I had no choice. Like I, I had to grapple with those feelings and they don't go away, right? They can go away only because everyone in a job agrees not to talk about it. But on a path like this, they're always sort of like bubbling around the surface. But now I have a relationship with my fears and I understand them. I know when they're going to pop up. I know that they'll eventually dissipate. 
And I'm, it's just like, yeah, you're there. Okay. I was feeling this this week. It's like, well, I'm spending all my time with my daughter. This I've been working like one to three hours a week. This is like going to be like, um, this is the- I'm taking up 50% first... of your uh, the week here. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. This is half my work week. But like, I, this is something that energizes me and is worth doing. I love having these conversations. You've already asked me like five questions I'd never thought of. And it's like, oh, I want to write about that. So this is like part of like my creative journey. This is very exciting for me to get prompted with these questions and I can do things I like, like writing. Um, but yeah, it's, it's still there. It's like, it's like right here, right? It's my, my fear. It like floats around with me and it's like, go away. Like not today, well, what but I'd it's like- never going to disappear one of the things that, that I like, cause like you just said, it's never going to disappear, but you have that curiosity around it. What is it here to yeah. teach me? Let me explore this a bit further where so many people, they're, they're so resistant. They continually push it away, push it away. It's almost like a beach ball trying to push it underneath water. Like just because that air in the ball, it keeps surfacing up and the harder you push, the harder it's going to push up. But if you get curious, you explore it. There's a lot that that fear can teach you. And I really enjoyed a part of your book where you actually wrote deeper on fear. And I'm going to read a bit of what you wrote here. It says, although people considering the option of leaving the default path can list hundreds of things that might go wrong, they struggle to talk about the fears behind those risks. And you said in hundreds of conversations with people, I found that these fears fall into one of the following five areas. And so the first one, success. What if I'm not good enough? The next one is money. What happens if I go broke? Then the third is health. What if I get sick? Fourth is belonging. Will I still be loved? That's a big one. Next is happiness. What if I'm not happy? And and so I'm wondering, can you explore some of those just a a bit further and how you really uncovered that? You know what? At at the basis of these hundreds of different things that might go wrong, these are the underlying five I've seen again and again. Yeah, I'm just a curious person. (laughs) Like, I like asking these questions. I like observing other people. It's it's very interesting. Like I was, my parents were in town this week and like they have enough, like objectively, like with like incredible margin of safety, but like they still have this script of like, if I don't make as much as I spend this month, like something is off. Right. And that's not about like money. The math says they're fine. Um, and they should probably start like taking some of their retirement savings, but I think those are valid fears because the fears are not actually about money. They're about something else, right? I'm not a good person. I'm not loved. Like I'm, I'm not going to be eternal. Like I'm going to be irrelevant. Like all these fears, right? And I don't know if they go away, right? I think you can transcend them to a bit by actually just facing them head on. Hmm. I, I have like little to no money fear. Because I actually just lowered my income and started declining my net worth. And I felt terrible, but I was still here. <laughs> and it was like, oh, okay, I'm fine. What What else are you doing on those worst days where you just feel terrible? And like you said, it just, you can, you can feel it coursing through your body. <laughs> it's just, uh, it's just, Yeah, it's just part of the journey. It's part of life. And I think it's just noticing them. It's sort of a mindfulness thing. It's like, oh, you're here. Okay. 
I shouldn't react to this because I know it will disappear. Right? It always dissipates and it always goes away. Often it's just like I didn't get enough sleep and I'm feeling like just slightly off because like my body's not at its best. It's like, okay, dumb body producing dumb thoughts. Ignore for today. Wait for a better day to come. <laughs> or it's like, just go for a walk or a bike ride and you'll feel better. I think that gets back to the self-awareness element of this all, right? Like that, those yeah. subtle attunements to things that can put you into these states. And you've done a good job over time, it seems like, really starting to explore these. And I think that starts with your curiosity and being willing to explore them. But then I'm also just wondering, what else are you doing from, let's call it like a self-awareness perspective, just to gain greater insights into yourself? Writing is my biggest superpower. Yeah, so like, so you said like, oh, that's an interesting question, Sean. Like, I want to now go write about this. So, so walk me through that process. You come across something interesting in the world. What are you doing next to expand your thinking on it? I think I I just have a contemplative personality too. Like I like thinking about these things. I love noticing what other people are doing and then asking, well, how am I doing that in the same way or a different way? Um, I think one of my biggest ahas was leaving the corporate world. I now realize, oh, I was not wired like those people. Some people really care about money and status and success and like get a lot out of that climb and competition. It's like, I'm not like that. Like aiming at money does not motivate me. Like I want it. I'm pragmatic. It's like, okay, I should try to make money because like I don't want to starve and go broke. But um, I can't get fired up about that. Like a publisher was just trying to acquire my book and they're speaking in the language of like status, fame, book sales, money, like reach. It's like, it didn't excite me at all. And part of my reflection of realizing like I should definitely not work with them is they don't value what I value, right? I want to align with people that value what I value. I value having fun, generosity, um, the creative act, like really trusting to do things different ways, right? And yeah, it's just noticing, oh, most people aren't wired like this or most people are just following the herd because the pull of mimetic desire is so powerful. Did you value those things when you first left your job or was it throughout the process of six years that those values started to come up from underneath the surface? I've always valued these things. I don't know how much we can change our wiring. <clears throat> like my first internship when I was 18, I looked around, I was like, this is all pretty dumb. Why, why are the adults doing this? Like, why is anyone doing this? Like, I always felt a bit like an alien, like I couldn't understand people. And then, like, I was working at a consulting firm and I'd work like 40 hours. I'd just go home. I, and I couldn't understand why are people working longer? Like, just go home. Uh, so I've always been a bit of a weirdo and an alien, but... I was still in that world. So you get absorbed in chasing what other people are chasing because those are the only things you can chase. When you're in an organization, all you can chase is getting a raise or promotion. Those are the only rewards. I started like I'd mentor people and I'd like coach people for fun at my jobs. I realized nobody gives a shit if you do that. 
In fact, you're going to get promoted or rewarded less because those things aren't valued. But I would just do them because it's like I care about these things. Now I can spend tons of time for free mentoring, coaching, helping people. And I don't have to worry about being in an environment that doesn't value that. Hmm. I can just be like, these are things worth doing. You just mentioned usually in the corporate world, it's I want to get to that next promotion. I want to get to that next point, right? And I'm wondering for you in the pathless path, are there specific fixed points, checkpoints, places you're trying to get to, or is it complete into the unknown? No, it's I'm very risk averse. I don't like taking risk. Um, in fact, like I'm trying to embrace more risk by like spending more and betting on some of the things I'm doing. Um, so I always just have a lot of cash. Like I don't spend a lot. I don't have fancy tastes. We don't own a car. We don't own a house. We don't, um, have nice things. Um, and we have a lot of cash because for us having the freedom to not work is our prime aim. And so my fixed points are just not what other people are aiming at. So then what would a fixed point for you be? For us, it's like, it's things like I want to be able to take three months off and not have to do any work at any time in my life. And that's basically what I'm doing now. Like no work is, uh, the goal, but I'm doing like some work. I'm still writing my newsletter and super fun, feels super light. Um, but I'm mostly just spending my time, with my daughter these days and it's absolutely delightful. And it's like the whole point of this path. And one of my realizations in the first month of doing that is I actually want to lean into that more and figure out how I can work even less, but in a more focused, uh, deliberate way. That's that curiosity coming out again, right? Like because you leaned into that, it opened up. If you're exploring things from a place of possibility, it opens up other ways of thinking, other ways of doing things that you couldn't have seen before. And so I really appreciate that. I think a lot of people, and you probably understand this better than me, I think a lot of people, before you have kids, you conceive of it as, well, you need money and like you need to worry about all these things. You need all these things. When you have a kid and they show up, they don't care about any of that. They just want you to be with them, right? And especially when they're young, I think my friend Kay, he talks about this magic window of like when they think you're the most important person in the world, like embrace that. That's going to go away. So so for me, it's like, how do I design a deliberate life where I can be there, be present, be engaged and like selfishly just like get a lot of the rewards that come with that? Because it's like absolutely delightful to hang out with your kid. Yeah. I mean, you said kind of designing that element. I I know for me personally, right? Like one of the things is I never want to look back and be like, I didn't have enough time with my kids during that stage. That's really important to me. So there's trade-offs to that. I'll pass up on certain opportunities because of that. But to me, the the reward is so much greater that it's not really a trade-off. But that took time to get to. There's intentionality behind that. And there's design. And the reason I'm saying this is because you bring up a great question that I think is a great prompt for people. And that is, what is your rich life? What does a rich life look like to you? And I would love for you just to even expand, because I know you work with people on how do they figure out what enough means to them? Yeah, I think I saw a Ramit Sethi quote um, today 
about this. He's like, why do people talk about always saving time or uh, buying back their time, but never actually buy back their time? <laughs> right? So the rich life for me is having the time and space to do what I want most days. I'm actually living my rich life. Like I struggle to come up with more answers to that. And me and my wife are always asking because we're trying to dream bigger about the possibilities of our life. We like having adventures and leaning into the unknown. Um, so I love that question as a companion. I think tying it back to what you were saying before, what are you, what are you aiming at on this path? I think what I'm aiming at is like, I want to continue to create in ways I care about, but it's also cool just to live true to myself in a way that seems to create permission for other people. Go like when this publisher was reaching out, it's like, I could like do this and it might have more upside for me. But what if I take the harder route? What if I continue to do it on my own, continue to figure things out, and I create paths for other people? That's really cool. Right? And really what I'm aiming at in the future is like a vibe. My rich life is continuing to like engage with people, help people, inspire people. And I think that's worth doing. I was really afraid to say that early on in my path that like writing and inspiring people is worth doing. It feels so silly. But when I think about my life, some of the most valuable people in my life have been people that have written books, create podcasts, and have inspired me to live a life true to myself. People like Tim Ferriss, Seth Godin, Krista Tippett, um, uh, Rebecca Solnit, um, Rolf Potts. These people have like, it's like, oh, they're looking at life in a different way. And I can do that too. What are you currently reading? Currently just finished Wanting by Luke Burgess, which is a great book um, about like mimetic desire. Um, I'm reading Strength to Strength by Arthur Brooks, which is about like, like how do you embrace, how do you leave the default path in later life, which is really interesting because I feel like I've done it at a younger age. Um, what else am I reading? I don't know. I'm always reading something new. <laughs> I'm it, always reading like four or five books at once. I just love reading. Is there anything you do with the, the content you're consuming that helps you actually live it? Yeah. I'm always figuring out how I can apply it to my life. Um, I think I used a lot of thinking from Luke Burgess's book, um, around thick and thin desires. What are the thick desires? These are the deeper pulls, right? Love, creativity that can pull me and actually enable me to aim at things that can sustain my life in a positive way versus thin desires like money. Money's, money's empty. It has no character. It has no depth. It's just something we're aiming at. It never satisfies. You always want more once you've gotten what you thought you wanted, right? But how do you aim at the deeper pulls of life? actually might be harder, more frustrating, but are going to lead to more a more fulfilling experience. Do you think there's a starting place that people have to be at before they can even really start to explore what those deeper pools are? I think there's a starting point that's individual for everyone. I, I think everyone has to go on like some sort of journey to figure out like, oh, this path isn't for me. For me, there were so many false starts of like trying so many different things before I realized like I should go work on my own and figure this out. 
Can you talk um, more? Yeah, about the experimentation because I think so many people they see creators today and they're just like, oh, they tried one thing, figured it out, and that was it. No, I I love creating and sharing things online and it's fun for me. I've been doing it for my entire life. I was screwing around in the internet, like creating these like simulation leagues in the NBA when I was in like middle school. I was like selling Beanie Babies on eBay when I was in, I don't know, 13 years old. I was um, creating web pages and trying to make money online when I was in college. I created like all these fun websites and blogs when I was younger. Um, I never saw it as like worth doing though. But there was so much joy and playfulness in it. It's no surprise where I am now looking back. It's very easy to connect the dots. And then after I I went through a health crisis when I was 27 and coming out of that and going back into the workforce, everything just felt a bit stupid to me. It's like, what are we doing? Grown men have so much anxiety about the dumbest shit. I don't want to be these men when I grow up. And out of that, there was this hunger for more. I started doing these experiments. Like I did career coaching. I started a site called Careers with Paul. I wrote on Medium. I did an online course about resumes. All these mini experiments, none of them succeeded. None of them were the things I wanted to do. But the energy I got from them and tinkering for three, four years before I quit my job, it was so exciting. And when I left my job, what gave me the confidence was that energy. I could aim at that energy because I had already experienced it and I just wanted to keep going. This podcast on net has never made money. I I mean, you're not. I mean, my podcast, I don't know about your podcast, but um, I've been doing a podcast for five plus years. It's never made money, really. Some money, some sponsors, but I just love doing it and I wanted to keep going. <laughs> to talk more about that. One of the things I, I appreciate about you is you really listen to those internal signals. So you were saying even when you were at your job for a few years, you were testing and experimenting with different things and a lot of those didn't work out, but you love the way you felt from them. So ex- expand yeah. on how people can maybe start testing things out. If they're feeling that internal call that, you know what, maybe this path isn't for me, what can they be doing during that period to really start to hone in on what might actually work. I call it ship, quit and learn. <laughs> like People are always looking for like, how do you do it? What's the best way to launch a blog? It's like, no, just ship it, design it for quitting and figure out what you learned from the process. That's it, right? Record three episodes with your friends, ship it, publish it, see how you feel and decide what's next. Yeah. Like you're not aiming at trying to be Joe Rogan when you start a podcast. If you are, you're a freaking fool. He screwed around for years before he even knew what he had. (laughs) Right? Ship it, design it for quitting, and focus on what you're learning. And then from what you learn, decide what to do next. Yeah. I talked to somebody yesterday. He's like, I want to write. Like, what's the best platform to start on? He's like, "Should should I write about customer experience or should I write about some of my personal interests? I was like, doesn't matter. Just write. He's like, well, what about this? I was like, just write. <laughs> I'm like, it doesn't matter. Like you're either going to quit along the way or you're going to find an energy that you're like, hell yeah, I'm going to keep going. Yeah. And once you find that energy, it's so easy to sustain that because if you find the energy, like you, you've done tons of episodes. How many episodes have you done? 
Uh, I mean, it's over 325. I'm not, I don't know, 340, yeah. 30, something like that right now. You can't actually sustain that unless you like doing it. Yeah, it would be. <laughs> it's I mean, impossible. Yeah. yeah. It's literally impossible. If this was your job, maybe you could sustain it. But any creative act you're doing on your own, the only way to sustain it is if you like it. So it's like ship stuff and figure out if you like it as soon as possible. And then if you don't quit, because you'll probably quit anyway, because you can't sustain things you don't like under your own. This is That's sustainability element. I think it's so crucial. I think it's so often overlooked. I just know this because my background in sports and then getting to, to coach a lot of athletes where so many people from the outside, like their parents, are trying to push them in a certain way. And I can tell you without a doubt, it's like that person does not enjoy this. The sustainability is not going to be there. So I think that's why I brought up you listen to those internal callings. I think those are so important in identifying that next path because you need to think about things that you can sustain over time. If you ever want to reach some level of personal mastery within that, you need to have that internal feel or else, like you said, you just will not be able to stay on that path at all. So I think that's a really important point, Paul. Uh, this has me intrigued. I know how curious you are. You mentioned a ton of different readers. I know in your book, The Pathless Path, there are so many different authors brought up. If you could do this, and I know you have a podcast, but anyone throughout history, dead or alive, who would you love just to get to interview and spend an entire day with? Oh, man. I've never thought about this. <laughs> Another good question. Um, I just interviewed a living person I've always wanted to talk to two people, Derek Sivers and Russ Roberts. So that was really cool. Um, I th think I'd love to spend time. I, you know, I'd love to go to Concord in Concord mass in the 1840s, 1850s, and just hang out with like Emerson, um, Louis Marie's, uh, Louis Mary Alcott, Hawthorne, um, Thoreau, and just like see what the vibe was. <laughs> I like, I, I'd love, I kind of cheated on your question. So it's like multiple people. I'd love to just like go into different scenes in history and feel what it was like. This has me intrigued now. What, what are you trying to <clears throat> see? Because you bring, I, I like this because you brought up multiple people. So you're not just trying to study one. You're trying to get a different feeling for what's going on. What are you trying to uncover there? Yeah. So, you know, like they all lived in like one street, mm -hmm. like Thoreau, Emerson, Marie Alcott, um, um, Melville. They're, they all live in like the same area in Boston. <laughs> a lot of people, a lot of people don't know this. Um, and they were starting like experimental communities and like writing each other and like Emerson had money. So like he would fund people uh, like Thoreau and others just to like write and do things they loved. And it's like, what was the energy in that time? What was their conception of life? How were they thinking about things? Hmm. Like what made Thoreau look at everyone else as crazy as like working in these jobs? How does that relate to now? And like, oh, it'd be so cool to experience paul is this a, a subconscious inner calling that you're trying to create one of these one of these streets one of these communities i think so like i think digitally i have it um i think in austin there is somewhat of this but it's so hard in the modern world because even people on a solo path even people that are self-employed are still sort of defining themselves as workers most people on a self-employed path see the point of life is like you should work Monday through Friday, if not more, 
and grind on the thing you're doing. Right. I do crave this like writer community. I've experienced it in some places like digital nomad communities and I've lived with other people embracing this vibe, but yeah, I, it's very fleeting Mm -hmm. and I do crave it. And part of me senses I'd probably need to create something like this. (laughs) It'd be like a shelling point for this, but yeah, it's, yeah, I don't think there's enough of it in today's world. Hmm. Paul, say those people are, are listening to this and, and getting the Derek Sivers, hell yes, uh, inter- internal call right now. <laughs> Where should we direct them? The book is The Pathless Path. Um, as I mentioned to you, I had a number of people uh, I work with who said, Sean, you have to get Paul on. His book has been foundational for me in terms of how I think about what the hell I'm doing with my life. Um, so those people who are interested, where should, where should we direct them? Yeah, the just Google the Pathless Path or Paul Millard. My podcast, I've been having a ton of fun with too. Somebody, somebody challenged me. Like I'm not good at self promoting. Sometimes, somebody was like, "You need to tell people your podcast exists. You don't promote it at all." Well, um, so you, you mentioned recent interviews with Derek Sivers and Russ Roberts. Yeah, two incredible people. Um, definitely be tuning in for those. Uh, yeah. So ch- check those out and just reach out. Like I love hearing from people. Um, yeah, it's, it's just cool to hear what, how people are remixing their lives. And I want more people to write books like mine about how they remix their life and how the mental models are thinking about how they approach things. Um, I really think there's a market for probably a hundred more books like mine. Paul, I love it. Thanks so much for joining us today. (laughs) Thank you, Sean. You guys made it to the end of another episode of what got you there. I hope you guys enjoyed it. I really do appreciate you taking the time to listen all the way through. If you found value in this, the best way you can support the show is giving us a review, rating it, sharing it with your friends, and also sharing on social. I can't tell you how much I appreciate it. Looking forward to you guys listening to another episode.